Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. The 25th Amendment was ratified in 1967. Since then, you probably haven't heard a lot about it. That is, until recently. The 25th Amendment, it's really having a moment. So the 25th Amendment is what she points to as, as allowing the removal of the president from office. There were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment. Why are we hearing so much about it? Trump. President Trump. His enemies and, if published reports are accurate, even some people who work for him see it as a constitutional crowbar to force him from office by finding him unfit. Here's the thing, though. The 25th Amendment encompasses way more than just trying to remove an unfit president from office. It laid down the law about presidential succession should the commander-in-chief need surgery, resign, or die. If you think about it, it's kind of incredible that it took so long for lawmakers to get this process down on paper. But it's not because nobody thought of the issue. In fact, the question first came up in 1841, when newly elected President William Henry Harrison became ill and died a month after taking office. Although the Constitution stated that if the president could not fulfill their duties, that executive authority would devolve to the vice president, it was not exactly clear what that meant for Vice President John Tyler. Congress was flummoxed about how to address him. Was Tyler now the president or acting president? And how long would he have executive power? Tyler argued that his vice presidential oath was enough for him to assume the presidency. But sensing opposition from Congress, he quickly found a local judge to administer the presidential oath and put a stop to any uncertainty. Though many of his opponents would go on to refer to him as his accidency, he was now officially president, and the succession debate was over. At least until 1881, that is. That year, President James A. Garfield was shot by an assassin and clung to life for 80 days before dying from his wounds. Vice President Chester A. Arthur was too nervous about looking like he was trying to seize power while the president was incapacitated. He waited until Garfield's death to formally take up the role of commander-in-chief. In modern times, the most acute confusion over the issue came in 1963, after John F. Kennedy was shot and killed in Dallas. In the confusion following the attack, it wasn't clear whether Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson was also wounded. Uh-oh. What then? Well, before Kennedy, different administrations would draft up individual plans for succession, in case something happened. But nothing was formalized in Kennedy's case. Something needed to be done. On January 6, 1965, Senator Birch Bayh, of Indiana and Representative Emanuel Seller of New York introduced joint resolutions to create an amendment laying out a transfer of power. Their proposals were the foundations for the 25th Amendment, 
which gave a vice president a clear path to becoming president in three cases, death, resignation, or removal from office. And it gave that new president the power to name a new vice president. President Richard M. Nixon was the first to use the new amendment to name Gerald Ford vice president when Spiro T. Agnew resigned from office. The amendment also allows the president to temporarily sign over his power, as President Ronald Reagan did on July 13, 1985. While Reagan was having surgery, Vice President George H.W. Bush took over for eight hours. But it is the last part of the amendment that is the trickiest, and why the 25th Amendment, five decades after ratification and more than 100 years after anyone pondered the issue, is having its moment. It reads thusly, Whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. But being unable is undefined in the amendment. If interpreted improperly, it could result in a coup. Constitutional scholars, presidential advisors, and even medical experts have tried to figure it out to no avail. And history has no answers. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Petula Dvorak for reporting this story for The Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.